0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So if we can get to, to know the Word better, who agrees with me, we can We can learn the Bible, we can learn about the Bible, we can rightly divide the Bible. And that's really what ministry school also helps us. But it's no purpose if you're not getting to know the person in the Bible when you study the Bible. So we don't study the Word to know the order of the books. I mean, I can sing it to you, but you might not come back next week. Amen? I can quote a few verses, and I remember when I joined Grace Life as a member, or as a visitor, I was like, "Yo, these guys know the word. They're just quoting scriptures left, right, and center, off the bat. And that was really something that was impressive, and it didn't seem like rehearsed. I remember growing up, you had to have your your memory verses, and you could say them, and if you said them right, or sort of right, or 80% right, it's maybe the closest thing we got to Grace, you got a suite. You don't have to be completely right, but at least you tried. So there's a suite for you. Um, and then I learned and I asked the, the people here, I said, like, how do you guys, how do you know the word? Like, how do you know all these verses? And Alicia actually said to me, she's realized because she had the same question when she arrived. Like, it's all about knowing sort of the different books and what they're about. And then different chapters in those books. So I know, for instance, now Ephesians is about the church. It's about the building up of the church. The first three chapters is about your identity. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 goes into, now from that identity, this is what you can do. Now we go into eldership, leadership, spiritual warfare, etc. So now you get to sort of rightly divide the word of truth and you're looking for a verse on, let's use another example, much more. Jesus is much more than, in my mind already going over Romans 5. Because I know Romans 5 is, in my mind, the much more uh, chapter. But now also Hebrews speaks about it. And Hebrews has different things that it says Jesus is much more than angels. Jesus is much more than Moses. And it also says, and there's a whole chapter dedicated to this, it it puts Jesus above Abraham. So when you read that and you know the audience of the book of Hebrews is really the, the Jewish believer in a sense... It is telling us where Jesus fits into this whole picture of what we call the Bible. So there's people who worship angels. There's people, if you look at some of the Pharisees, in a sense they worship Moses. Or then even they say to Jesus, we are free because we are sons of Abraham. And I just love how the writer of Hebrews debunks all of that and says, you need Jesus. <laughs> there's nothing else. So when you read the Bible, it's really not to get to know the verses. It's to get to know the person that those verses speak about. So, I can read a book about my wife. I think it will be a pretty good book. Amen? I think there will be beautiful stories in that book. But that doesn't help my, my marriage. I want to spend time with her. And when I read a book about her, there might be some things that I didn't know. And guess what? When I go and I take those things and Hey, I never knew when you were at school this and this happened. Oh, how did you know? No, I read your book. Now there's a conversation, so now there's... Relationship. Now, I want to make a big statement this morning. I was preparing something else, and then God said to me, you know what you need to share. I was like, ah. And then I was like, yes. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel, amen? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. So I want to make a big statement, and then we're going to go through the verses together of Scripture, and we are going to confirm what I said. The statement. So it's not a Peter statement, but I'm making the statement to wake you up. Amen. So the statement I'm making this morning is <clears throat> that you cannot know fully who God is without Jesus. You cannot fully know who God is, what He's like, His character, His nature, without Jesus. Some of you say yes, obviously. But think about it. Because there's a lot of people there who, who, let me give you one. Someone once told me, not in church, someone didn't really go to church, he said that he doesn't think Jesus is all that great. I said, okay. He says, well, I said, why not? He says, no, if you look at some of the crusades, if you look at um Angus and you look at some of the other things, they gather a lot more people than Jesus ever did. I was like, you're this guy has no idea who Jesus is. And then my heart broke, really, because it just shows you the, the, the lostness of it. So, how do you know the Father if you don't know the Son? Now, the word says in Hebrews 1, verse 1 says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, I'll need to get you some New King James there, times before, and in different, it says, different times and different ways, spake in times past, in the past, unto the fathers. By the prophets. Okay, that's verse 1. God, who at various times and in various or different ways spoke in the past to our fathers, the fathers of the faith. How did he speak? By the prophets. So he's speaking about what we call the scriptures, the Old Testament. He says now in verse 2, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Okay, so what is prophecy? Prophecy is foretelling something that's going to happen, something that's coming, or it's speaking life into dead bones. That's also prophecy. Prophecy is when God said, let there be light. That's prophetic. And then it manifested. Light obeyed and light appeared. Now light was. Now it says, in the, in the days before, God sometimes spoke. He spoke in different ways and in different means. He spoke to the fathers, but He spoke through the prophets. Now He says, now... In these last days, he speaks now in a different way. He speaks now through the Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and guess what, by whom also he made the worlds. So many that, like he just made it. So God is now speaking, how, through the Son. It does not say that the sun only now appears. It says, no, the sun has been there since the beginning. And then John 1, we'll look at it later, says to us, So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, And the Word was the light of men. So it means that we were walking in the darkness until Jesus came, and now Jesus put on the light because He is the light. Amen. He says, I am the light. So what happens when there's no light? There's darkness. So say me and you, we, we, we meet in a dark room for the first time. Are you going to know what I look like? Are you going to know whether I'm smiling? No, why? Because the light is off. You might be afraid. You might be... I remember the first time listening to Joseph Prince when he was uh, not well known. Like when, before YouTube, that's how long ago I started listening to Joseph Prince. And I was listening. And you know you make a face when you hear a voice it's just me that's weird like that you think you know what this person looks like now i think for the first time in my life when i listened to joseph prince i could not make a picture like literally I, there was like I, the dialect the the whole it just did not compute i didn't have that armand will say i didn't have that um, that data to the the machine learning couldn't find a, like it sounds like this okay it's a man it's, it's this age is this that i couldn't find a picture in my mind it was very weird and then when I saw him, I was like, of course, that's why I couldn't find a picture. <laughs> because he's half Chinese, half Indian. And he's speaking in Singaporean English. So I didn't know because I was in the dark. So I didn't know what he looked like. I knew what he spoke of because I only heard his voice. And that's really how it is with God. God's speaking through the prophets. So he's speaking words, but he is unseen. And then moses says god i want to see you and god says yeah it doesn't really work like that moses and he shows him his backside but he also covers him with his hand as he passes why because the time is not yet for people to see who god is amen yesterday we were doing that uh, wedding benro's wedding benro and Aline. and um, as she walked down the aisle with the veil over her face you could just see how excited Benra was, like when I mean, he was, if he had a heartbeat monitor, I would be interested to see the graph, amen? Like he should be, like any bridegroom should be. And I was just so reminded of 2 Corinthians 3 that says, where the veil remains. And now it says, when you turn to Christ, the veil is removed. So everyone saw Neline coming down the aisle and they saw that she was looking beautiful, and that she was wearing a white dress, and that she was, uh, had a veil, and she had nice flowers. But they haven't seen her eyes. He couldn't look into her face. Guess what? Benro couldn't kiss her. Until I said he could. That's a nice thing. But he couldn't kiss her with the veil intact. So when we read the Old Testament, and we do not turn to Christ, we read the Old Testament veiled. We read it through the Veil, And now, that's why my statement, I think I've already confirmed it. The word says, unless you turn to Christ, or let's say when you turn to Christ, the veil is removed. And now what? Now you see things as they are, as they was, as they've ever been. You see afresh, you see new, but the things aren't new you just see clearly now amen so god is not schizophrenic amen god is not angry in the old testament and loving in the new i'm i hope i i just rattle your palm tree a little bit today amen when we sang the song i had a almost a bump in my throat because i was holding jordan and jordan had a wart on his shoulder and um, I said, I'm gonna try this. So every time I bathed him, every night basically, we said in the name of Jesus, Fraiki, die down, dried up, disappear. Now I mean taking a, like, he's taking like you're taking a step of faith here because this is a little boy, he's very um, impressionable, I think. That's a good word for Afrikaans I okay, care. Huh? <laughs> and then after a few few days, like this thing is like making a roofie. I'm like, I'm getting worried. Is this thing now infected? And I'm like, well, okay, that thing is obeying. That thing is doing exactly what you told it to do. And I mean, that freiki fell off in this week. And we were singing, God is hotest lifter." He said to me, he's his bit God is liefde. He's bit freke. The nature of God Should be as by the eyes beheld of a child. Why did he say that? Because I don't just give him any children's Bible. You know me from a a year ago, I went on a rant about children's Bibles. I have a Bible that says, Chot is lifter. And every story there's a heart, then says, Chot is lifter, he takes care of you. Chot is lifter, I sorg for you. Chot is lifter, He bescarm you. So when he heard the song, Gottes Lifter, he now knows, Gottes liefde, he took my freiki away, which bothered him, by the way. So if God can do that for a little two-year-old. Now I'm going to say again, God is not new. God has been doing that since the beginning. Amen? So how does the new and the old then fit together? Well, come to ministry school and we'll tell you. No. <laughs> how can we know who God truly is? Is. How can we know what God truly is like? Hebrews 1 3 then says, Who being, so who's that? It's the sun, who being the brightness of his glory, that means a flash of his glory, and the express image of his person, and the upholding of all things by the words of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So the express image there. It's been something I've been meditating on for years, literally. What does that mean, that Jesus is the express image of the Father? Now, some people say it's when you make a copy. When you make a copy, uh, like, and I give you two 10-rand notes, Jock. 200-rand notes sounds better. And you don't know which one came first. Well, you can look at the serial number, probably. Someone will help me. But an express image is an exact copy. So it's not a copy of, actually. It's two printed from the same source. That's one way. But when I looked at the Greek, it says, literally, the the, the phonetic... you would explain it or pronounce it as character. Character. So, Jesus is the representation of God's character. Okay? So, this is very important. You need to hold on to that. It means it is as if you engraved the character or the figure in an exact copy, representation or replica. So when we look at Jesus, He is now God made visible. That's really what it is. He is now God translated into humanity, so that we as man and woman, humanity, can now read, listen, understand who God really is. Anyone with me on that? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to the prophets... The prophets then says, we have an idea, and we know it's going to be awesome, but we don't know exactly what it's going to be like. Hebrews 11 says, that they without us did not receive the fullness of what was promised. Okay, what was promised? The Son, and what would come through the Son, and what would become because of the Son. But now Jesus took on flesh, and He walked around, and now they decided, and they could understand, oh... That's what that prophecy meant. And they said even like when when Jesus rose again, the disciples remembered that he prophesied that he would break down the temple and in three days rebuild it. They didn't know what he was saying because they said, Oh, who are you? This took 46 years to build. After the resurrection, what happened? The veil was removed and they understood. And they knew he wasn't speaking about a building. He was speaking about where the Holy Spirit abides, which is his temple. Okay, so the express image, Colossians 1, 13 to 15 says, "...who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son." So we have been in the power of darkness. Now, again, you could not understand, we, 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 we read darkness, we think devils, we think evil, we think hell. No, you were in darkness, you could not see, you could not understand, you could not behold." But now you were in the power, the stronghold of darkness, when? Before Christ. So if you're in the strongholds of darkness, if you're in the dark room, you don't and cannot know what God really is like, can you? But now you've been translated, you've been moved out of darkness into another kingdom, another realm, another reign, the kingdom of His Son, who is what? Light, by the way. So now you can see clearly. This is so, so important, guys. Because so many people get stuck in the Old Testament with the veil. And they are afraid of God for that reason. But we need to have the veil removed. And then look and behold back into the Old Testament and see the goodness and the true character of God. God is love and that didn't come with Jesus. Jesus came because God was love. I'm saying that again. God didn't become love when Christ came. For John 3.16 says, For God was love, God already loved. God so loved what the world. Every unbelieving sinner, he so loved that he gave his son. The book of Romans says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, those without God. Okay? in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, Who is the image of the invisible God. So God is invisible, but the Son gives us an image, a picture, an understanding of the invisible. This is profound. God gives us a picture of who He is and what He's like. It means likeness. The word there is icon, Icon. Your brand, your icon says, if you click on a button on your laptop, that is an icon. Why do you click on that icon? Because you know what that icon is going to do or lead you to. Jesus is the icon that leads us to who God really is. So when you click on that button, Jesus, you get into this new page, this new kingdom, this new realm, and you look around you're like, wow, God is awesome. God is good. God is love. God cares. God is love. God is for me. God is not against me. And you might have some questions about the God of the Old Testament, but there is answers to every one of them. There are answers to every one of them. No, there is an answer. The answer is singular. It is Jesus. It's just how do you portray or what does it show us about Him? Let's go back to Hebrews 1. and We look at verse 4. It says, Being much, so much better than angels, He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they for unto which of the angels said he at any time you are my son how beautiful you know the name above names there's two of them the one is Jesus definitely the other one is son and that's right here it says he's so much greater than angels because he calls him son he's a father unto Jesus he's a commander unto the armies of angels. You are my son. I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. Now who's this son? One John, sorry, John 1 verse 4 says, In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So in the darkness people comprehended not who God is. Anyone know some people who don't really know who God is? Or they think they do. And it's not the picture that... like, Some people tell me who God is, who they see Him as. I'm like, whoo, actually, again, I got to Never. Like a God who steals babies and kills babies and and, and rapes women and causes good things to get out of... I can't. No. Actually, okay. John 10.10, for the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came to give life. Life in abundance. Life until it overflows. The Passion Translation says life... And overflowing power, basically, until you overflow. But what about the Old Testament, Peter? Well, let's look at Jesus first. Who is now the manifestation, the express image of the character, the nature, and the love of God. Not who God has become, but of who God has always been. You see, we have this picture where we think there's this throne room. In the throne room of heaven is actually a, a, a courtroom. No, it's a, it's a throne room. But we think courtroom, okay? And now we see Jesus jumping up before the Father and said, The blood, the blood, Father. Like, but they've done this and this and this wrong. Yeah, but I've paid for it. And you have the, the devil jump up and down and waving a banner with all your sins. And, and now there's this fight. Of, oh. John one twenty nine, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the Jesus says, I see basically the devil thrown out of heaven, never to return. With a third of the angels or the stars, depending on how you interpret that. There is no courtroom in heaven. Either you have a ticket to get there, or you don't. And Jesus is the ticket. told you, this, is, this, goes, this goes deep. The darkness comprehended it not. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, we saw, we looked at His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So when we looked at the express image of who God is, when we look at the image of God according to Colossians 1, now John says to us, We have seen Him, and guess what? He was full of only two things. He was full of grace and full of truth. But what about the wrath? Well, it's not there. Come back next week. No, I'm joking. (laughs) God is full of love, full of goodness, full of grace, full of truth. When we look at Jesus, we see what God is really like. And the Bible says, not Peter says, your Bible says that Jesus was full of only two things. Grace and truth. Colossians 2 we looked at last week says the fullness of the Godhead is where? In Jesus, in Christ Okay, now, this is where my calculus comes in very handy. And you can be thankful that I studied math. So, if Jesus is full of grace and truth, everyone with me according to the verse on the... Everyone with John. <laughs> John and the Holy Spirit made a statement. He says, Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Now, Paul writes to the Colossians and he says, all of what God is, the fullness of God is where? In Jesus. But Jesus is full of something. What is he full of? Full of grace and truth. But all that God is, is where? In Jesus. And now, if you wondered what God is like, you need to look at what Jesus is full of. Anyone with me? You see the math? I must get a whiteboard and make some nice... Uh, there. All of who God is is found in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 9. John says that Jesus is full of something. He is full of grace and truth. So what is God like? Grace and truth. Selah. Let's move on. Verse 16 is going to blow you. It says, And of His fullness have we received. What is that? Grace and truth. If it's anything else, it's not God. I don't care. About your testimony. Your testimony can be wrong. Of His fullness have we received. So the only things that we can receive from God is grace and truth. Why? Because of love. You see, love is the motivator. Jesus was moved by compassion. And then what did he do he healed by grace he saved by grace and he spoke truth and what does truth do truth sets free we've received grace for grace for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ now remember my opening statement I said, you cannot fully know who God is, His character, without Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Because in John 1.18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. But what about Moses? Was Moses a man? Then the Bible says he didn't see Him. He saw His backside. God covered His hand. They had interaction, but he didn't know who God really was. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, who did he declare God, the one who 's no one ever seen. So how do you get to know God through Jesus? You listen to what Jesus declares, you look at what jesus has done, you receive of the fullness of who God is inside of Jesus. The word they declare means to rehearse. And I love this one more. It says to unfold. So there's a map of how to do life, who God is. But in the Old Testament, that map is closed. It's sealed. Remember Revelation? There's only one who can break the seal. And now when the seals are broken, we can declare it is unfolded. You're rolling it out. And now you see what God, is really like. Let's forget about the map. Let's say it's a picture of God. It is a picture with a write-up of His nature, His character, who God is, what He's like. And in the old, it was rolled up, but now it is. You know, if you take a massive map, you get those architectural offices. Henry would know at the back when um, when they still printed things. I don't know if they still print them. We, you need to learn how to fold those maps. There's a specific way that you fold those maps because it's so big. God is so big that, that we need to learn how to unfold the picture of God. And then you open one and you're like, wow, God is this good. And then you come again next Sunday or this week in life group and there's another unfolding because while we, we, we preach Jesus, And he is the one who unfolds, declares, shows, proclaims, lives who God is. Not who God is going to be, not who God has become, but who God has always been. When I said God is not schizophrenic, some of you laughed. But if you look at God differently in the old than in the new, Then we need to deal with that problem. Because it is a problem. Anyone having fun? I'm having lots of fun. How to get to God, to who God is, to where He is, to what He's really like. Now, you're not the first person to ask. John 14, Thomas pops up and he says in verse 5 unto the Lord, He says, We know not whether you go, how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The way, according to Mr. Thayer, in his Greek definition says, it is what is true in any matter under consideration. So it's not just, we think way, we think a road. So we think when we meet Jesus, we are on the way to God. No, 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 no. What Jesus is saying is, I am the way like God is. Because when you've seen me, you're not on the way to the Father. No, when you've seen me, you have seen Father. This is good, guys. This is good. You are not on a process of becoming holy. When you receive Christ, you have received sainthood, holiness, the fullness of who God is. Why? Because God is not outside of Christ. No, the word says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When we find Jesus, we don't find the route to God. No, we find the way. Who is Herman? Tell me who Herman is. He's acting in this way. Well, Jesus says, this is who He is. This is the way He is. I've never said that before, by the way, and it's not in my notes. So that's, I think that's for someone. Jesus is the way that God is. When you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. So what people struggle with is to, to, to take Jesus and to marry Jesus of the New Testament to the God of the Old Testament. And Thomas is having the same issue. He says, Jesus, you're pretty cool, man. You you've made some fish and bread multiplied and you healed someone. And, but who's God? Show us God. Isn't that the thing of a guru or a holy man? It's like, take me to, to your master this is what Thomas is saying. Like, Jesus, you're pretty cool, but, but we want to see the Father. We, I mean, we want to, we want to level up. We want to, we want to get really holy now. We want to... He says, Thomas, this is what God is like. When you've seen me, I am in reality. That's the way. I am in fact. I am certainly. I am what is true about God. I'm reading from the Greek lexicon here. I'm not making this up. The way means I am the truth about what God is like. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus is the gate. Let me share this with you. I'm going to speak up. Okay, there the mic goes. Awesome. (laughs) Jacob had a dream. Anyone know what Jacob's dream was? Jacob dreamed about a ladder. The ladder was doing what? Connecting two places. Which places? Heaven and earth. Okay, and on that ladder, something happened. What happened on that ladder? The angels was going up and down. Anyone remember from your Bible? Okay. Now in John 1, I think it's verse 51, Jesus says, I am that ladder that Jacob dreamed of. Now, if you think, and I've asked you, is Jesus currently on earth, or is Jesus currently in heaven? It's a bit of a tricky question. Because Ephesians 2.6 says that He's seated in heaven, but now the Word says, in take Colossians 1.27, many other places, this is the mystery revealed. Christ is? in you. So I'm asking you again, is Jesus in heaven or is Jesus on earth? The answer is both. Because he is the ladder that connects heaven and earth. So he is simultaneously the connector of realms, if you will. Now the word angel there is not people with halos and wings. Because then it wouldn't be people, would it? Figurines, beings. No, the word angel there is messenger. In the New, Translate, in New Testament and in, in, in Revelation, it even speaks of pastors. Angels can be messengers, pastors. You can talk to Bernard about it. He'll, uh, he'll either confirm or, or deny what I just said. But now think about it. Jacob has a dream. Is Jacob dreaming of the promised land? Be careful. He is. But he's not dreaming of Canaan. He's dreaming of heaven, the promised land. And now Jesus comes and he says, Hey, guess what? You know, Jacob. Oh, we know. You're the God. We, we, we serve the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, Yeah, Jacob had a dream. Do you remember? Yes, we remember the dream. Oh yeah, he's a like, well, by the way. I'm going I'm to heal the Samaritan woman there and there's going to be a revival that breaks out. But don't worry about that. I am what Jacob dreamed of. I am the ladder. She said, so the ladder now doesn't take you to heaven. It connects you to heaven. Jesus says, I am the gate. So you enter in, but then you're in. You're not... You know, when you go through the tunnel, you go to Joburg. You drive to Joburg, you hit the tunnel there, just other side, Paul. You're not in Joburg once you've paid your 49 Rand or what it is these days. That's the gate. But you're not there yet. With Jesus, it's different. Once you're in, you're in. Like, He is the gate, but He's also where you're going. He's, not, he's the destination and He's the entrance. Amen? But He is who God is. He is what God is like. Is this thing working? Do we know? I can try and switch it on again, I'm not sure. There we go. So Thomas has a problem. He wants to know what God is like. Jesus says, I am what God is like. I am the way God is. John fourteen seven says, If you had known me, Thomas, you should have known my Father also. And henceforth, you know Him. So you couldn't know God until Jesus came. But henceforth, from now on, you can know God. You can know what God is like, who He's like, what He's done, what He's up to, what His will is. Because you've seen Him from now on. Not earlier, from now on. So Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will satisfy us. Jesus says unto him, I have been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip. He that has seen me has seen the Father. What is the Father like? Is He angry? Does he, does he bring sickness? No, 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 no. If you see Jesus, you get to know the Father. But what about the Old Testament? Well, we need to take the veil off. And then we need to do a lot of study. Amen? Because we've been indoctrined with the Old Testament for a long time. That's where we become either very popular or very unpopular. But we'll move on. How say you now show us the Father? We cannot really and fully know God without looking at Jesus. It says, He that has seen me has seen him that sent me. John 12:45. What a statement. It's massive, guys. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the one who sent him. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we went from blindness to sight, from darkness to light. We went from dead to alive. We went from being veiled to unveiled. Where's the hand? Come on. <laughs> we are not what we used to be. And we don't see God like we used to be. Because if we turn to Christ, the veil is removed. And now we behold face to face. Moses said, God, show me your face. God said, no. You see why the disciples struggled with this? Because for so long it wasn't available. And now it was right in front of their eyes. fourteen there says, In whom we have the redemption through his blood, yes, the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image? What is an image? There's two photographers in the front row. They know what an image is. An image is something you can see. So he is the scene of the invisible. He makes the invisible visible. He is the firstborn of every creature. We read on verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, should all the fullness dwell. So when you look at Jesus, you see the fullness of God. You might think like, there must be more. There's more if you realize and study out who Christ is. That's where the more is. It's not just the man, Jesus from Nazareth. And John tries to tell us that by saying, in the beginning, Jesus was already there. But he wasn't in flesh. He was in spirit. Okay. Look, I'm trying to, to land this Boeing. How do we make sense of this This God of the Old Testament then? 2 Corinthians 3 And this is where I started It says For if that which was done away was glorious Much more that which remains is glorious Seeing then that we have such hope We use great plainness of speech Not as Moses Not as Moses So we do things different not as Moses, which has put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished or vanished and moved away. But their minds were blinded. Their minds were blinded. So how could they know who God is if they had blind minds? Their minds were blinded, but... Until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. So I'm going to tell you two things. I'm going to tell you how I used to interpret this verse. I used to interpret this verse by... You're not going to fool me. I mean, that verse clearly says, I don't want a veil. Moses had a veil. Moses is of the Old Testament. I'm not reading the Old Testament. That's not what that verse says. I used to brag that my, uh, my New Testament was more worn out than my Old Testament. It should be, I believe, because that's your study notes to take you back and to explain what the Old is about. But it says, for until this day, the same... veil ra- well, th- th- When is this written? This is written after the cross. So the veil is not taken away automatically for everyone the moment Jesus dies and raises again. Because you know what? The veil really is the flesh. But that's a different message. The veil now... Remains, and then you read the Old Testament and you see dimly you see shadows, you see carnality. you see Abraham had two sons you see um, there wasn't two of every animal in the ark by the way, some of you would know what I'm referring to there was there was there was more of some animals there wasn't just what we see it wasn't just that 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 what we read we read stories of the old testament we read stories the history of israel if you will that moses wrote but he says that is the that is the veiled version if a muslim reads the old testament and you and a muslim get the same out of it you're not reading it right. Oh, Peter, now you must be careful. No, I don't have to be careful. It says, because the veil is taken away in Christ. So you're unmarried to the Lamb because you're veiled. You can't kiss the bride. And now you're trying to figure out what God is like, but you're not part of God. You're not part of the family. You hear what someone is like, then you go for a meal. You see their home. You see, oh yeah, they're not so high and mighty. They're just more like us. They also have some dishes. Or they have a dog who barks. Or they have a child who cries. Like you get to see behind the veil. And that's the same with God. He says, now when we turn to Christ, the veil is removed. Verse 15 says, But even unto this day, after the cross, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. A heart in the Word is two things. It's firstly, it is the source of life. Ezekiel 36, Jesus, God prophesies, He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. It's not automatically that you're going to have a new understanding. You're going to have a new life source, the Spirit of God. But now you need to renew your mind, that is also the heart. So He says, but when the Moses is read, the veil is on their heart, on their understanding, on their blinded minds. They still remain veiled, if you will. Nevertheless... Verse 16 is the good news, people. When one turns to the Lord, what happens? The veil disappears. I want to, I want to challenge you. like a good, No, good pastors challenge people. I want to challenge you this week. No, I want to just challenge you. I want to invite you. If you still read the Old Testament like you did before you got saved, you're missing out. You're missing out big time. Because you can't see it the way you used to, because the veil is removed. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because you're indoctrined. You think you know what it's about, you think you know what God is like. But what about the flood? Well, there was an ark. And if God had to get a million people to build a million arcs, he would have. Because the New Testament now says. Moses, not Moses, sorry, Noah. I've got the wrong guy. I've been talking about Moses too long now. <laughs> Noah judged the world, not God. Why? Because Noah built an ark. If Noah didn't build the ark, it would not have rained. But because he built the ark, there was a way out. And he was what? What? a preacher of righteousness and you can ask jordan and he'll sing you the song noa ark noah hette ark die mense het hom uitgejou why because the good news was too good Guys, it's going to rain get on the boat isn't that our message the end is coming turn to Christ the end is coming but God has taken away the sins of the world get on the boat God is not harsh punishment he's not like he doesn't have a death wish for anyone he says build the ark funny how the animals obeyed the people didn't Nevertheless, when one shall turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. So if we turn to Christ, the veil is removed. And now we read the Old Testament. Can I say now we get to know the God of the Old Testament, the so-called God of the Old Testament? We get to know Him unveiled. We get to know Him for who He really is. We get to know Him face to face. Not what prophets said about Him. Not how people of old interpreted Him. No, as He is. Now we don't see God for who we think He is through the veil. No, we see Him in and through Jesus. And we see who God has always been. Can I share one more thing with you? One more. Now, we started in Hebrews 1. I want to jump to Hebrews 13, verse 7. This boggled me for a while. It says, Remember, them which had the rule over you have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, the end of their lifestyle. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats or food which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. That verse, we know verse eight, but I never knew where it fit. Jesus is the same yesterday, day and forever. Amen, brother, yes, amen. Preach that, okay. But where does it fit in? It says in verse, verse seven, it says, Remember the people who gave you the word of God. The message from God. And consider how their lives have ended or what the result of that was in their lives. And then he pipes up with this, like, it's like a pop-up. You're busy reading a nice blog, and now there's this pop-up, and you need to, I don't want shoes now, it's like almost like that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. And then he just goes on, be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. Now you and I know both, that the Holy Spirit didn't make a mistake. So if we don't understand it, we don't understand it. The Holy Spirit understands what He did there. So look at verse 7. It says, the Word of God, the message from God, is what? Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And then He confirms that in verse 9. And He says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, teachings, beliefs. Strange they can also be entertaining, by the way. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. So what is then a good doctrine? Verse 8. Jesus. What has for always never been the doctrine? Yesterday, Today, and what will the doctrine be? Forever. Jesus. So the Old Testament, if you preach it right, you're going to preach? Jesus. How to live currently, if you preach it right, you're going to preach? Jesus. And what is to come, if you preach it right, you're going to preach? Jesus. Don't be carried about and away from that. So, what is God like today? Jesus. What was God like yesterday? Before the cross? Jesus. And what is God going to be like for all eternity? Jesus. Not a man from Nazareth that can only walk a few miles. No, 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 no. The express image, the character, the power, the heart. What is God like? Full of two things. Grace and truth. And he confirms it in verse 9. says, Be not carried around, carried away, but it's good for the heart to be established by grace. Established means I'm staying here. If you established yourself in a business, it means you, it's not a good idea to necessarily resign. You've, 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 you've found your feet. This is what he says here. Don't go away from grace. When you go to the Old Testament, find grace. When you go to the book of Revelation, tomorrow, find grace. Find truth. Find Christ. Find freedom. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you so much the word. We thank you that you are good. That you've been the same since the beginning. Full of grace. Full of truth. Thank you that Jesus came to bring us that image, that knowing, that know-how of what God is like. What God has been like and what God will be like. Thank you, Father, that there is now a connection between heaven and earth. And we live in that connection. Won't you stand with me, please? Can you close your eyes? I'm going to read two verses. And then I'm going to ask you to respond. It says, Now the Lord is that spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with an open or unveiled face, beholding in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed, being transformed into the same image. <laughs> Not a different image. If Jesus is a hundred-rand note, you are being transformed into the same image, the same as the express image from glory to glory how by the spirit of the lord and i want you to just while everyone's eyes are closed if this is really a challenging word for you if this is a challenging thought to just respond this is between you and god by just opening your hands in front of you and just saying god this either breaks my mind or it it, it unsettles me or I'm concerned or I'm worried I'm, I'm, I'm unsettled. That's fine. Because the Holy Spirit is the comforter. But the Holy Spirit is also the Spirit, the guide, the one that leads us into all truth. The word truth there is reality. He leads us into how things are truly, and how they have been, and how they will be. How can I say that? Why Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then there's a second group, and I'm definitely part of that group, is where I'm opening my hands and saying, God, help me understand the Old Testament unveiled. If we're going to pray that prayer, I believe we're going to see massive things happen. We're going to have so much faith stirred in our hearts. We're going to have such confidence in our gospel, in our message, which is the message that brings the power of God unto salvation. So Father, as a church, we want to behold you unveiled. We want to behold you unveiled. We want to turn to Christ afresh. And realize that there's more to the goodness, the love, the mercy, the truth of who God is. And who He has forever been. There's a humility part in here because you're going to have to say, God, I'm willing to lay down some preconceived ideas and beliefs. To at least put them to the test. Can I say it in a different way? God, I am willing to be wrong in my current view and belief so that I can see the fullness of who you are, who you have been, and who you will be. Again, this is between you and God. That's why we're not doing it out loud. He says, God, I'm willing to lay down Some strongholds, some old beliefs, maybe some of my carnality to embrace the fullness of the spiritual truth of what it means to live no longer in the power of darkness, but now to live in the kingdom of the Son of your love. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, all things have become new. Have you challenged everything that you brought from your Old, old Testament understanding? Okay. So there, there's two olds there. We all have an old or a previous Old Testament understanding, but now the Word says all things have become new. So God is inviting us into a new, unveiled, face to face Old Testament understanding, which will align with the Word with Christ, with grace and truth. A God who is love and who has forever been love. A God who is good. There's people here that you need to go let go right now. Don't wait for this afternoon. I can feel it so strong in my spirit. You're not taking this message. You're not taking this message. You're afraid. You're scared. You say, no, where is this going to lead? What are they going to come up with next? You're missing out you're missing out big time I've seen a picture of before of someone where you see everyone like playing in this pool a rock pool and there's certain people who are standing on the side not jumping in because you think it's too dangerous that's fine that's on you I'm just saying I'm enjoying myself in the pool I'm in the pool that's where healing happens I'm in the pool, that's where grace flows. I'm in the pool, that's where the Holy Spirit is working with me. And I'm inviting more of you to jump into that pool with me. Let's have some fun in the Holy Spirit. Let's have some fun in the Old Testament. Let's have some fun in grace and truth and who God is. Let's have some fun in the goodness of our Father. God is breaking down chains and walls in our minds strongholds of our thinking thoughts that doesn't align to Christ right now but let go let go (laughs) I see a roller coaster man I see a slippery slide, a super tube but you have to let go you have to let go this is a yearning of the spirit right now you have to let go I know, man. I was afraid. I was fearful. I, I, I was that one who everyone jumped off the cliff. I didn't. That's how I grew up. I was, af- I was afraid. I was in performance. Now I'm living the adventure. Let go. Let go. There's certain principles and things, and like I said, testimonies that we hold on to that is contrary to the word that we shared this morning. Let go. I'm really like Paul says, like I I yearn, I I cry for you right now. Be reconciled to God. This is not for me. (laughs) I promise you, I'm having fun. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel from Genesis to Revelation, that's the gospel. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There's only one message in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whosoever believes on Him will not perish but have eternal, everlasting, overflowing, abundant spiritual life. For God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. Because He's not a condemner. He's a lover. He sent Jesus to save the world. As people hear, your business is being held back because you're not jumping into this fullness. God has invited you to do some faith things. He's invited you to to do some things that's not according to the book. I'm not saying fraudulent, I'm not saying anything like that. God will never do that. There's just some things you are so holding on to your old patterns and even you're using the words, what my old man taught me. This is for someone. Don't expect more than your old man had if you're not willing to do something different. God makes things new, new invitation, new way, new life, new life, in Jesus' name. Someone here, you're not manifesting your healing, because you're trying to make it work. It's like I see you in front of this board, and you're turning nuts and bolts, and just a little tighter and just this one and just that one and just like this and like that and and I just want to say like God just says just, just receive just receive just enjoy don't make it about the healing make it about the healer don't make it about the provision make it about the provider seek first the kingdom of God And all these things that we need will be added unto us. Amen. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca